Yawn. Gold is so boring at 1500 China's not boring. It decided it wanted to impose $75 billion in additional tariffs. Take that, Mr. Trump, and take that, Fed Governor. Jackson Hole is a big issue. We are recording this on Friday. It is 9 in the morning as we speak. The focus seems to be Fed Chairman Powell saying all he wants to do is sustain the recovery, which means juice the stock market and fuck savers. The dollar continues its march towards triple digits, sitting at 98.3 as we speak. The deficit continues to be out of control despite right-wing promises to pay it all off, specifically promises from the Trump administration. Speaking of right-wing policies, David Koch is dead. Um, lots to get into. We're going to talk Colin Kaepernick. We're going to talk Jay-Z. This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 33 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how are you this morning? I'm very well, Gerardo. As you know, it's earlier than usual. Uh, we're recording this podcast early on Friday as I am uh, on the East Coast, which I learned this week is actually ahead of Pacific time and <laughs> not behind. Um, so very, very enlightening when you travel across the country with three kids and are, and are busy, how you are unable to do time zone math. But anyway, here we are. We're connected and I'm ready for my weekly therapy session. And I just three, three under three, correct? That's correct. Yeah, but they were very good, man. They, they made it the whole way from uh, Seattle to Philadelphia without crying. They didn't cry until we landed in Philly. So um, it was very good, but uh, I'm not expecting the the same for the ride home. You got to get it. You got to get it one way or the other, right? <laughs> well, let, let, let's get right to it. Um, as we speak, um, the meeting in Jackson Hole is happening. Leaders from around the world are watching um, Fed Chairman Powell's comments um, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this verbatim live as we speak. He's saying that trade policy plays a role in the global slowdown. The main focus is to sustain the expansion. Inflation continues low and the Fed can adjust policy for trade developments. Of course, the big development overnight just recently here this morning is China deciding to impose more tariffs on the U.S. This despite the fact that master negotiator Trump says he is the chosen one. And he looked to the heavens when he said this. He said he is the chosen one um, to deal with China. Um, let's get right into it. Thoughts on the meeting in Jackson Hole. Is it just more puppeteer action um, to continue with this march towards 0% interest rates and eventually negative interest rates here in the U.S., which is what I see in the cards? Well, it's a very nice vacation for um, economists who do things in theory, but not in practice. And it's, uh, um, it's a nice, you know, bookend to the, to the end of summer. And so I look at it as sort of a, a return to markets, people getting back to work, back to school, back to trading desks. And so hopefully it's a kickoff of the next chapter, because as you know, my take is that we've been sort of just wishy-washy since, I don't know, well, the stock market's been wishy-washy for the past year. The S&P and the Dow is sitting here in August 2019, where it was sitting in August 2018. So it's essentially been um, a lost year. But I think we've been waffling, sort of looking for direction. And I've articulated as much in my writings and on this podcast about how I've moved some funds into cash and have been sort of waiting for the next direction. And hopefully the next direction comes over the next month or so as the 
as the Western civilized world gets back to to work after all their vacations. And so more specifically to the to the Fed and and Mr. Powell, it sounds like he's, um, you know, painting with a dovish brush. He um, um, said he had room to cut. The stock market clearly liked it. I'm sitting here watching it in real time. The Dow was down more than 100 points. He opened his mouth. It, it regained 85 points. And so, as you indicated, juice the markets. Um, <laughs> Fuck the savers, right? And we had Trump tweeting this week directly at the the Fed chairman saying, "Yo, man, you need to you need to cut rates by 100 basis points, a full percentage point." And oh, by the way, not only that, I'd like some QE as well. So here we are. <laughs> it's absolute madness. Um, I think China's decision to impose um, additional tariffs and let's go over those. They they they, they range from five percent to ten percent on seventy five billion dollars of U.S. goods. Farmers are not going to be happy because they will be disproportionately affected again. Um, the two batches of additional tariffs will be effective September the first and December the fifteenth. Um, China also said a 25% tariff will be imposed on U.S. cars and a 5% tariff on auto parts and components will go into effect on December the 15th. This comes, of course, after China had paused the tariffs in April in light of negotiations with master negotiator Trump. Um, The chosen one? The did chosen you, one. The did, chosen one. Did you look up when you said it? It doesn't count if you didn't look up to the heavens <laughs> when you said it, Nick. Um, yeah, I, you. you I, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a crazy I did, week. I did the sign of the cross. I did the sign of the cross. You know, I'm born and raised Catholic. Oh, uh, you're official then. You're 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 you're, you're, you're <laughs> official, Nick. You are you 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 may be indeed the chosen one. Um, is our president losing it? Like, I'm not being funny here. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I I'm, I'm reading through some of these tweets. Um, I follow him on Twitter because it beats Sunday morning cartoons. Um, but all jokes aside, some of the stuff that's been tweeted by this man this week is pretty out there, man. Everything from the comments about Greenland and, and canceling meetings and getting his feelings hurt to the 100-point you know, request, um, the 100-point cut request that he made um, to openly berating Chairman Powell, continually openly berating him. Um this doesn't seem like the most stable guy. I know he's never been the most stable guy, but it seems like it's escalating a little bit. Um, well, first of all, trade wars are easy to win, Gerardo. Didn't you know that? <laughs> um, and, and and second of all, I mean, yeah, the, the dude's got some sort of, you know, screws loose. Uh, it's not anything new, as you said, from, you know, um, pussy grabbing to to openly calling for... Uh, people to shoot his political opponents in the uh, uh, race in 2016, to, to calling for uh, Russia collusion to, to to help him win publicly. I mean, the the dudes, um, you know, clearly not uh, orthodox, right? Um, and so, what do I want to say here? I think that um, many people, in, in not just people, the markets are searching for direction. I've sort of said that already. And I think that's reaching a crescendo. You can see it in a lot of things, but you can certainly see it in the, in the pace, the frequency, uh, the amount of cap letters used in his tweets. Um, <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's, it's classic, you know, Italian crescendo. Like, they're, they're getting more frequent and, and more dire. And it's because, you know, I think he, like many of us, uh, don't know, What's next, right? Like I was talking about this with some longtime friends this week. Like, 
you know, what's next? Uh, and, and you and I talk about this all the time. You know, are we going to cut rates? Are we going to, you know, have austerity that, that's going to screw savers? The, the trade war has drug on much longer than, than he anticipated. That's got to be weighing on him. He is getting closer and closer to having a um, one-on-one election as the Democrats, you know, start to narrow down their field. And so he's got to be preparing for um, 2020. And so there's obviously a lot going on. I don't mind actually trying to buy Greenland. Not only did it give me a chuckle, but, you know, I mean, strate- strategically, there's a, a lot of assets there, right? I mean, there's rare earth assets that we desperately need. And so, hey, making a move for Greenland, why not? But um, the way it was handled and the response was definitely funny. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of giving you a non-answer, but I'm not sure he's losing it any more than Numor. The dude's a, the dude's a weirdo, but... Um, you can sense that that something is, is is getting nearer. I was also talking about this with my you know my my team, my outsider club team here in Baltimore, where I am this week, and really just waiting for a a break. And now I'm just going to rant for a second. Um, just really waiting for a break to see what's going to happen. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot and talk about newsletter marketing, but. You know, we were we were kicking around ideas and, you know, do we want to start doing fear packages? Is it time to start doing that yet? And the consensus is like, no, because people don't want to buy fear until the fear has already passed. If you remember back to like mm. 2008 and 2010, like mm. when Porter Stansberry did his big promo, The End of America, which is like one of the best newsletter promotions that ever existed. It wasn't until two or two and a half years after 2008. Like it's easy to sell fear once it's already passed. But you can't tell people when the writing is on the wall. They simply don't want to they don't want to believe it. You know, stocks have been going straight up for for 10 years. People's bank accounts are are nice. I've been um, uh, saying often to, to people in conversation, I've been seeing a lot, a lot of brand new cars and cars are not cheap these days, specifically pickup trucks where I live in the northwest. I see a lot of new GMC Sierras and Silverados and, you know, Dodge Ram 1500s and F-150s. Those are 60, 70, 80 thousand dollar trucks and seemingly um, a lot of them are catching my eye lately. And, and, and to get back to the newsletter promotions to the point I want to make, the stuff that's selling now is fucking trash, man. Like from a, from a publisher's perspective, it's like the only thing you can get to work is some dumb promotion that says you're going to uh, get a check in the mail. We call these income promotions, and mm. I'm sure you've seen them out there. It's oh, yeah. Superpower check. Royalty millions forever. And, Exactly. And listen, and listen, it's even tra- it's even spilling over into into politics. I was listening to Elizabeth Warren in the debates the other day and, 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 and the stuff that was coming out of her mouth sounds like the about page to the outsider club, man. I mean, we were six <laughs> years ahead of our time. People were just now catching up to like what's really going on. It took a half a fucking decade. And then so like we're just discussing what's selling and it's like you're clearly at a top, man, if like good ideas aren't selling, sound anal- analysis of rates and bonds and international markets like people don't want to buy that shit they want you to tell them that they're going to get you're going to get a fucking superpower check every four weeks in the mail and that's what people are buying and so to me that just screams top of the cycle man it also screams you get the president you deserve as a society and as a country and as voters right Sure, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I hate to talk about the fourth turning every time, but certainly, certainly, um, you know, symptoms and characteristics of that. Agreed. Agreed. Let's get to the markets a little bit. Um, Chairman Powell saying we are examining the monetary policy tools we have used both in calm times and in crisis. And we are asking whether we should expand our 
toolkit. Again, I hate to keep repeating myself, but that that, that that's as clear as um as as he can possibly be in regards to the direction um that monetary policy will continue to go in in this country. You mix that up with the state of fiscal fuckery that's going on. Um, and, and, and you have a perfect storm for what I think is going to be an absolutely epic, epic gold bull market. Let's talk markets a little bit. Let's talk gold. I joked by yawning saying, Oh, $1,500 gold is so boring. I remember just, uh, maybe 10 podcasts ago, um, gold not being able to hold, you know, 1450, 1460, 1470, um, and just kind of going back and forth. And, 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 and now it seems like everybody's just kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, we got $1,500 gold. So what the juniors still mostly aren't moving, you know, outside of your great bear resources and your, um, you know, Sabina gold and silver and a couple of other names, there is not a ton of action yet. Is a part of that because of the summer doldrums, Nick? Do you think post Labor Day we get a, a, a wicked rally of gold holds this fifteen hundred dollar level? I want to make a couple points here. I hope I can remember them all. First, um, do you know the name of this year's symposium in Jackson Hole? There's I lost you for a second, Nick. Gerardo. There you are. Okay. And we're still um, alive, so I lost you for a second. Repeat that question to me because I didn't catch the last part of it. I said uh, every year the, the, the symposium in Jackson Hole has a, a theme or a title. Do you know what it is this year? I do not. So it was challenges, or it is challenges <laughs> for monetary policy. And if, <laughs> you just think <laughs> about that for a second. You, you think there are some challenges globally with, with monetary <laughs> policy, you dumb fox. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just so like, I don't even know. It's like idiocracy. It's like, this is like the definition of, of like irony, right? Like you're naming your summit challenges for monetary policy, really. You think you got some challenges going on. And so then you look at $1,500 gold and it's like, no doubt we're at $1,500 gold. I mean, why wouldn't we be at $1,500 gold? It was sort of a no brainer, right? We all knew it was going there because we just didn't know when it was going there because we had been beaten so long for the past, you know, eight to 10 years or whatever in the, in the gold space. But now that it's here, it's sort of like, yeah, well, duh, this is where it should be. And so it's boring in that respect. And then uh, to your point about, you know, the, the uh, juniors haven't rallied yet. And I think that's because the money goes into the, the easy names first, right? Mm. It's easy to, to, to put money into, you know, ABX and NEM and, and FNV. And that's where the, and that's where the money goes first, because it's sort of, um, you know, you're gun shy, right? I just said, like, we've been beaten for 10 years. And so why would you want to go immediately back to the most speculative part of the pool when you can dip your toe into the, the Franco Nevada end of the pool, right? And so, um, yes, I think that, you know, I was, as I'm hoping anyway, you, you know, this, this, this Fed meeting this week is uh, a kickoff, as I said, to the fall season, people coming back to their trading desks, the conference season kicking off. You'll be headed to Beaver Creek in a couple of weeks. I'm sure companies um, have been saving news to release in the next couple of weeks, at least good companies that have been putting money in the ground and, <laughs> I hope and, so. and drilling and, <laughs> and have news to release. And so that's what I want to say, right? That was actually the, the point I was building up to. Um, we're at that point now where the juniors are starting to crawl out from under their rocks and um, companies that were vanadium companies last year now have a silver deposit. And mm. um, we're talking about, I'm starting to see things like that. And we're, 
prophesize, Nick. Prophesize. You like that? I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. And 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 we're putting out press releases about historic drill results. Oh, remember this deposit I had, and 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 this interval we hit, you know, five years ago or whatever. Remember, remember silver two, me too, me too. And so we're starting to see the me twos. And I think. Um, as an investor, what I'm doing and, and, and I think what others should be doing is starting to separate, you know, what are those quality juniors that are that are actually going to make a go of, um, you know, growing shareholder wealth and and harnessing this this bull market that we see coming to um, do something good to to, you know, build resources or put an asset into production or, you know, whatever that looks like, as opposed to. Um, you know, fluffy press releases and window dressing and and fundraising without um, uh, advancing an asset or putting that money to use to to grow or uh, advance your asset. And so, I'm reading press releases this week, and and it couldn't be more clear, Gerardo, the difference between those kind of companies, right? Hmm. Um, on one hand, you got companies saying. Look, we we're selecting targets. This is our plan. We're going to drill this many meters over the next couple of months. You can expect results on X or whatever is in the press release. Like that's a quality press release. Not, hey, remember this project we got that whatever we have historical drilling on, or we we just did some grab samples real quick, and you know we might drill it, but we're not sure. We're still sort of identifying targets. Like that's just fluff, right? It's not like. We know uh, the targets we want to drill. We have this amount of money to drill them, and we're going to drill this amount of meters or whatever. It's no, you should be able to, to clearly walk away from a press release and say, this is what this company is doing to advance this precious metals asset, not what the fuck was that word salad I just read? And so <laughs> um, just be on the lookout for that. And I think that's going to be like the separation of the, the wheat and the chaff in the, in the junior gold space. And when those names do start to rally again, hopefully this fall, you'll want to be in the ones that um, have the former press releases that I just mentioned, not the latter. I like to fancy myself a very simple man, Nick. What Nick is trying to say, everybody is if you are an explorer, you should fucking be exploring. If you are a development company, you should be developing. If you are a producer, you should you should be finding ways to produce more efficiently. It is not rocket science. You're either doing one of those three things or you should go away. I had a private conversation with the CEO about two weeks ago, who went to bat for his company, and the company's done well since then, and and, then they should have a pretty active uh, news quarter or two coming up as they get back to exploring after being dormant for a couple of years. And and this person whose name and and whose company I won't call out um, said to me, you don't understand, Gerardo, a lot of juniors are just going to disappear. And I said, you don't understand, blank name, a lot of juniors should fucking disappear. Um, and I think this go around, that's going to be the difference in this cycle. I know that we have, you know, a very bloated 2000 plus company um, exchange where the majority of juniors are listed. I hope that the purge for many of the zombie companies that don't deserve a listing or shareholder capital happens in this next cycle. And I actually do believe that'll be the case. Um, I say all that to say 
make sure you're positioned going into the post-Labor Day rally, which I think will happen. And then I'm going to go out and do what fools always do. I'm going to make a prediction on gold. I'm going to say that it, it rallies really hard the first couple of weeks. It pushes that 1585 mark. And then I think the last part of September, we're going to get a nasty pullback, maybe down to that 1474 level that was so critical technically um, that scares a lot of the weaker hands. So Prepare to take profits on some names, everybody, but also prepare for one last rally before that pullback. And then I think we, we're, we're back off to the races. I think we close the year, you know, convincingly near uh, the $1,600 mark. We'll see how that plays out, right? A lot will happen between now and then, obviously. I don't think volatility is going away. Um, thoughts on that, Nick? Nope. Prepared I like for profits, I, I am. I like it. Let's talk the deficit because that plays into this idea of mine that I think, you know, gold pulls back a little bit and then continues to run. Um, of course, President Trump vowed when he ran for office that he would not just balance the budget. He was going to pay down the entire national debt. I don't recall if he said Mexico was going to pay for it or not, but somebody was going to pay for it. It was all going to go away and we were going to be fis- fiscally responsible again. And now, of course, the federal deficit for the current fiscal year comes in at 960 billion dollars when it's all said and done in the next fiscal year which begins october the 1st it will exceed one trillion dollars um again not to beat a dead horse but it goes back to our point about the fourth turning about politicians saying whatever it takes to get elected and then not actually doing anything for anybody outside of the people who already have the most. Any thoughts on the deficit, on the budget? Where's the Tea Party people? And and and, and that's not an accident that I mentioned the Tea Party because we're going to talk David Koku who who passed away last night. Um, you know, large. You stole my joke. I was going to say they're dying. Where are the Tea Party ah! people? I was going to say they're dying. <laughs> well, not only are they dying, I haven't seen them since President Trump got elected. Well, because they got um, their their racist thirst quenched, and so they don't they don't need to be so vocal. Agreed. Let's talk about that racist thirst being quenched, and let's talk about David Koch, who was a very fascinating figure. Again, I am able from time to time to separate the person from his policies, from what he does with his hard-earned money, right? The Koch brothers, of course, uh, billionaires, literally reshaped the political landscape in this country. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that a large amount of their political influence followed the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision, which allowed unlimited spending, both directly and indirectly by outside groups. They, 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 they were very, very keen to take advantage of their wealth to reshape politics in a way that even they have said they did not anticipate. Um, Mr. Koch was a really interesting guy. You know, on the one hand, he, he, he fancied himself a social liberal. He was pro-choice. He was supportive of same-sex marriage. A lot of people don't 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 realize this about the guy. And stem cell research. Um, he supported efforts. To more f- more libertarian. More libertarian in a- that respect. Absolutely, he supported efforts to free nonviolent prisoners. He wanted to overhaul the criminal justice system and the sentencing um, guidelines. And so, you know, at the end of the day, he thought all these things would save taxpayer money. So on that front, I actually supported a lot of 
the causes that were important to them. On the other side of it, there was clearly, and this could be, you know, the Frankenstein effect, right? Where, where they just didn't realize what they were creating. But let's be absolutely clear. The rise of the Tea Party was an absolute pitch to those with that racist thirst, as you called it, right? And I don't believe that was intentional. Maybe I'm naive, but it was effective. Um, and, and I believe it changed politics in this country um, for the worst, uh, that along with uh, the Citizens United decision in 2010, um, I don't think we come back from what that decision and what they have done um, for polarization in this country until Citizens United is somehow challenged and pulled back in whatever fashion that is able to happen. Any thoughts on Mr. Koch, there, his influence, him and his brother's influence, the family's influence on politics and, and, and thoughts on the man himself? So I, I typically don't like to venture into to the stuff that I don't know too much about. And, and Mr. Koch, I don't know too much about. I'm a, um, you know, I'm a millennial, as I've said here many times. And so I wasn't even able to vote in the, in the 2000 election. I wasn't able to vote until the 2004 election. And so I remember them uh, coming to the fore a bit and in um, helping uh, the younger Bush get elected. And I wasn't too fond of that in my, in my younger days because I was opposed to to the Iraq War and the re, uh, the response to to nine eleven, et cetera, and so for that I did not um, have a good taste in my mouth from the Cokes. But then I came to learn some of the things that you just mentioned about their libertarian leanings, and so um, I could really take or leave the 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 Cokes as as people. But when it comes to the 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 political contributions and the the things that came out on the Supreme Court, I absolutely believe that the Citizens United ruling was was wrong and should be reversed and has has been really one of the things that, um, you know, exacerbated the deterioration of of American politics and made it much more um, partisan and and cutthroat. Given that, as you said, corporations can donate gobs of money because they're people now, right? Which they're certainly um, not, and listen to this, I'll bring it, I'll bring it, I'll bring it all the way around with the fourth turning is that you had a big meeting of CEOs this week where, hmm. um, they, they said that corporations weren't just, um, meant to be for the profit of shareholders. They sort of tried to redefine what, um, the, the notion of a, of a corporation is. And, and they came out with a, a bullet list of things. We can put up a link, things like, um, you know, creating products that help their customers, um, uh, helping the community, um, you know, not being a dick, basically. And um, <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite quotes, quotes about you, by the way. I'll share that story in a little bit. Um, yeah, so not being a dick, and so you know, <laughs> are they are they genuine? Are they genuine? I don't I don't know, but um, it's just funny to me that they were they were ruled to be people uh, in that Supreme Court ruling, but only now. Are they trying to um, bring attributes of, of, of being a person into, into what they're all about by changing the definition of what a corporation is? And so I think that just speaks to the, the nature of the flux that we're in right now. So, agreed. Agreed, agreed. I'll share my story. I was at a, at a conference. I believe it was New Orleans. And I had somebody come up to me and say, hey, you're, you're Gerardo Del Real, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, you, you, you write for the Outsider Club uh, for, for, for Nick Hodge, right? I said, absolutely. He goes, yeah. He goes, I like that Nick guy. I met him one time. And, um, you know, he, he, I asked him if he had any advice for me. 
And he said, you know, I just try to do two things. He, this is what he said that you said. He said, um, I try to make people money and I try to not be an asshole to people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that complicated, right? <laughs> that should be the next promo. You were talking about publishing and newsletters and that should just be it. It should be a fucking blank page. You remember that book that I forget somebody wrote and like you got the book and you opened it. It was just fucking blank, right? We should do that. It was, it was every every... It was everything men know about women. There you go. That's the one it was. You read it, obviously. Um, so <laughs> the next the next promotion should just be that. It should just be, you know, buy my newsletter. I'll try not to be an asshole, and I'll try to make you some money and just leave it at that. That's what I do. I like it. Let's talk about um, the killer cop, uh, Daniel Pantaleo, who was fired Five years after murdering Eric Garner, him and his NYPD buddies. Um, again, man, justice in this country is just absolutely crazy, Nick. Um, it's twisted, man. It took five years to get this guy fired from the police force. There's nothing on the books that will prevent him from becoming an officer in another police department think about that for a second um i just god man i try to be an optimist and i try to you know see the best in things and try to be as active as i possibly can in whatever little way i can be stuff like this just good gracious guys can god i don't know i'd like to hear your thoughts i know you have some oh i got thoughts um um, one, it's funny that you said murdered Eric Gardner, because that's certainly what it was, though he was never uh, charged or prosecuted for that, nor is that why he was fired. Um, it wasn't even the chokehold for which he was fired. Mr. Pantaleo was fired for lying about the chokehold, and it took five years because... Uh, the reason they were he was fired was because an administrative judge, an administrative, not criminal, an administrative judge said that um, he repeatedly lied about using a lethal and banned chokehold. And so semantics here are important because they're not firing him for using the chokehold. They're not firing him because Eric Gardner is dead. They're firing him five years later because he lied about it, which was clear the day of the incident because it was on fucking video. Um, and so it's just a twisted, twisted thing that um, he was never charged, that it kicked off the whole Black Lives Matter thing, or at least helped kick it off, and that there's been such outrage, and we knew the chokehold was a, uh, not a, an approved move for NYPD, and the whole thing was on camera, and it takes fucking five years for this, for this guy to get fired. Um, yeah, just a, a twisted, twisted, sick sense of, of, of justice, and... Um, and then I'm just going to make my pivot into Kaepernick because he keeps popping up in the news. And I was having beers mm. with some friends last night who were um, not on my side of the Kaepernick debate. They were both on the side of the, uh, I don't know what side they were on, but not Kaepernick's side. They were saying that, you know, he didn't start kneeling until um, he learned that he wasn't going to be a starter that year. And uh, there was things with his contract that he wasn't kneeling for genuine reasons. And um, one of my friends said, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II and I have his folded up flag in my house. And why should this gentleman get to, to kneel and disrespect the flag? And of course, I came back with all my points. He's, he's not disrespecting your grandfather. He's not disrespecting the flag. He's using that as a catalyst to attract attention to issues that certainly need uh, attention attracted to them. Um, you know, I brought up things like Muhammad Ali and the uh, 
the people, the gentlemen who raised their fists in the in the Olympics back in the day. And I also said that you know if it wasn't Kaepernick, it would have been something else. We're just at a point now where um, the stuff has been going on so long with the police and the, the brutality and the lying and the, the falsifying of charges. And if you want to take it all the way up to the, prosec- the prosecutorial level with like people like Kamala Harris, the suppression of evidence that could exonerate black folks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was time for someone to, to crystallize a movement. And if it wasn't Kaepernick, it was certainly going to be someone else. So what does it matter if it was him and if it was because he wasn't going to start? Like for me, it's about a bigger picture thing. It's not about the flag it's not about the and first of all i think there's a lot of indoctrination when it comes to the flag and the military mm. anyway but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast anyway yeah, but yeah i was gonna uh, talk about for me it's about attracting attention to an issue like i was telling them last night like the fact that we're sitting here in this bar talking about it for me is a positive thing like what he did is a positive thing it's been three years and we're still talking about it and for me that's the that's the positive thing not the kneeling he's getting he's fostering a dialogue and i think that's important yeah, you know, it's funny. Everybody says athletes shouldn't have opinions, but fans do. <laughs> it's well, yeah. just, it's they, like, come on, man. Like, you know, it, it, it's got to cut both ways, right? If we're entitled to opinions, athletes with a platform should absolutely be entitled to their opinions, whether you agree or not, right? Um, I don't disagree with anything that Mr. Kaepernick has done um, because I think the narrative was hijacked by the media as is this latest partnership between the NFL and Rock Nation, um, which was founded, of course, by Sean Carter, Mr. Jay-Z. Again, I think the media is responsible for hijacking the narrative around the real issue. Um, I don't think that was Mr. Kaepernick's fault. I don't think that he blackballed himself. He was clearly blackballed. So anybody that wants to talk to me about whether or not it was right for him to kneel, There's a deeper conversation to be had about, okay, well, if you don't think there's social injustice in this country worth talking about, if you don't believe that police brutality is an issue worthy of bringing attention to um, on on, on whatever platform you have available to yourself, then how do you feel about a corporation basically getting together with all the other members of the league and saying, hey, don't give this guy a job. Don't allow him to make a living. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know how people can be on one side of one argument and simultaneously be on the other side of this other thing. Um, Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does make sense. And their answer would be, and I sort of get it a little bit, is like it's a private corporation. And so it's not like a government thing. If they don't want him to be employed, then he doesn't they, they don't have to employ him. And I and I sort of get that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he did what he did and he started the conversation. And I think that that's what's more important. And so um, if you want to say that it was their right not to hire him, even though he deserved it statistically, I can sort of buy that argument a little bit, but you you can't tell me he didn't deserve to play. That's one thing I do take issue with because the statistics show that he should have been a a starting quarterback. And so that's the argument I like to have. He should have been, but maybe not necessarily that the NFL was obligated to employ him because they're, uh, um, you know, uh, a a private uh, company. And so, you know, I I don't know what else I want to say about that, except that, you know, if, if it's his prerogative to, you know, uh, not play, then at least we got the conversation started. And um, the man got paid because of the lawsuit that we've talked about on this podcast before, where the NFL uh, admitted behind closed doors in, in you know, uh, a ruling that we'll never get to see settled. 
um, and paid him, and then he got the the Nike contract. So, you know, whether or not he should be playing football is, I think, outside of, of, of the larger issue here. Um, of course, he should be playing football, but, you know, if they don't want to give him a contract, then that just, I think, is what it is because they're a company. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but I sort of, I do get that. I do get that argument. But at least now he's got, you know, millions of dollars that he's that he's putting towards these causes, these causes that he's been so vocal about um, in the past three years. What do you think about the fake outrage going on now with uh, Rock Nation and the deal with the NFL um, that aims, you know, it's a partnership that aims at helping address some of um, the social injustices that, 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 that goes on. And, you know, Jay-Z and Rock Nation um, have been involved in, in, in several ventures outside of football um, through media, through, through charities, privately, publicly, um, helping address a lot of these things. Um, what do you think about the fake outrage of people saying, hey, you know, who are you, Jay-Z, to profit off of Kaepernick's kneeling and his issue and his cause and and do you think it's fake outrage i guess is a better question let's start there it's totally fake man because i tried to read about it this morning and it wasn't even making sense to me it was like <laughs> um yep. like i couldn't even i could yep. i couldn't even figure out why people were upset like exactly. jay-z had said clearly in the in the past that um you know, he 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 knew why Kaepernick was kneeling, and he understood the injustice and the uh, you know, et cetera, all the reasons. We don't have to to regurgitate them here. And he said that it was, you know, the time for kneeling is past. Now it's time for for action. And so the causes that the Rock Nation is for, as you just explained, are in line with uh, what Kaepernick has been saying anyway. And so I don't know. I think that you know people love drama and misery loves company. And so people just like to be upset about stuff. But when I was reading about it, it was like, um, yeah, there was nothing there. The, the two had a phone call and Hove's going to do this thing. He said that in, in the past, Hove was even telling people like, like Travis Scott and other, and other rappers and, and, and celebrities and, and singers not to do the Super Bowl show, not to entertain offers from the NFL. And so he was certainly vocally on the side of Kaepernick. I think he, you know, at this point, he's just, you know, leveraging his platform and who he is and his relationships, I think, to obviously profit, but to do some good as well. And so to create drama about it, I don't think is is right. Agreed. I, I, I love Jay-Z's line. He said, this isn't Twitter. Um, the kneeling was important. Bringing attention to this was important. Now we need actionable items. We can't just continue to talk about things. We need to start doing things. I can't see, and believe me, I get, I understand um, that the people that are that 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 are upset that actually have a little bit of a point is they think that the NFL is using Jay Z and Rock Nation as a, a a a brush to kind of say, see, we are doing something. But in fairness to the NFL, we don't know yet what that partnership will entail. We don't know what Rock Nation, Jay-Z, and the NFL will actually do. So how about we wait a little bit before having an opinion about whether or not this is going to be effective. Let's criticize it two years from now if nothing's happened, right? But if if, if I look at Mr. Carter's uh, background and what he's been able to do um, with his career, with his life, with title, uh, with Rockefeller, whether it's you know the, 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 the clothing line back in the days or the label, um, turning that into Rock Nation, the management company that manages a lot of athletes across all sports, um, entertainment, 
if if I look at that track record and 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 serial success, I'm not betting against Jay Z on this. That's it. What else you got, Nick? The only thing else I got is that um, I wanted to talk about Sean Spicer, which is my positive story of the week. Do you remember Sean Spicer? I do remember that little fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, One of the original press secretaries of the White House. Um, He's been through many, but this is the gentleman that was caught hiding in the bushes to avoid questions from the press. Do you remember that? I remember. (laughs) He's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Again, I'm not watching network television <laughs> ever again. <laughs> as long as they look, man, where does it stop? You know, I just, I just, I read earlier this week, and then of course, not a surprise, right? But the other, the, the the most recent press secretary, Sarah Sanders, I believe is her name, is now going to be surprise, surprise, uh, an analyst for Fox News, right? And again, there should be something illegal about you being the mouthpiece for the president one month. And then being an analyst for a news organization two months later, should there not be some? And I know this is not where you wanted to take the conversation. It was supposed to be a uh, a, a feel good story that you had a positive story, but I think it's complete bullshit. There should be some sort of time constraint that says, "Look, there need if you're going to be a public servant and take taxpayer dollars to further whatever opinions you have within that administration um, and be the mouthpiece for it." There should be, you know, I don't know how long, but it, it, you should not just be allowed to transition into the private sector right away if you choose to go into the public sector, specifically government, um, in in a very public way. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, as part of what has, um, in addition to Citizens United, which we talked about earlier, that's part of what has led us to, to where we are now, the revolving doors, it's called, right? Yes. Uh, you know, the Geithners of the world and, and, and other people uh, in the finance world that go from banks to the Treasury Department or to the Fed. And um, the same with the military that are, you know, military generals and then go to, to Raytheon or Northrop Grumman or whatever. Certainly there should be a, a, a window or a moratorium on, on how fast that revolving door can spin. There's no other way to say it. There is no other way to say it. And you know what's happening is people are just pimping the government and taxpayers out. And I don't understand why taxpayers don't see this. Um, You go and you lie (laughs) for nine months or 10 months or, you know, Scaramucci's case, um, 11 days, right? And then you use the exposure you got from the time that you did whoever's bidding um, to go get yourself a very lucrative position with a news organization or as an analyst or, you know, as, as, as whatever organization you choose to go take a very high, high paying job, knowing damn well that the only reason you're likely getting that position is because of the exposure um, that you will bring to whatever organization you're joining as a result of your taxpayer funded job that you had for however long you had it. And 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 I think the revolving door, you're absolutely right, is something that needs to be corrected. Um, breaking news, gold is surging. It's uh, flirting with 1520 here. Donald Trump speaking again to my question on whether the man is losing it or not. Um, and, and to your answer that no more than usual. Just tweeted, as usual, 
the and, and I'm looking. I have to look to see. I follow a parody page of Donald Trump, and I follow his page, right? And so I always have to look, which sucks, um, to see if this came from the parody account. No, this is from him. He says, as usual, the Fed did nothing. It is incredible that they can speak without knowing or asking what I am doing, which will be announced shortly. We have a very strong dollar and a very weak Fed. I will work brilliantly with both and the U.S. will do great. Follows that up with this. My only question is, who is our bigger enemy, Jay Powell or Chairman Xi? Thoughts on that? I mean, can you just call everybody that you don't like or disagrees with you an enemy? Is it dangerous for a president to do that? I think it has been dangerous. We've seen it with the eradication talk and and the immigrants, and he used that tact. He uses that tact with anybody. I mean, um, take it all the way back to the debates when he was uh, using things like tiny hands for Marco Rubio, and then creating other names for other people. That's just his style, and it's clearly effective with the American public because um, he won, and um, uh, you know. Um, continues to uh, receive pretty tremendous support from from those who support him. So is it dangerous? Yeah. Is it effective? 100%. (laughs) Interesting times. Interesting times. So Sean Spicer will be on Dancing with the Stars. Do you know who his partner is going to be? I'm going to try to turn that around back into a good story. (laughs) I I don't know. I saw it just before we we started talking, Gerardo, and I was like, man, that is good. I want to see that little tiny red-haired fuck dancing around. So I don't know. I thought it would be funny to see him, although, like you, I don't watch, so I probably won't see unless I see, you know, a little clip on the Internet or something. But just funny to me that, you know – how do you want to say it? Like you said, you could be the mouthpiece for 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 Trump, uh, you know, one week and then hide in a bush another week. And it's like this serious political thing. And then a couple months lapse and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go on a reality show. Like, <laughs> it's bizarre, man. <laughs> it's fucking bizarro world. I'll tell you what- <laughs> he was already on a reality show is the point I should make. He was already on a reality show. So he's like not going on a reality show. It's just like a continuation. That was my point, And that shouldn't be legal. There should be some sort of break between the time that you're on. Anyway, let me just leave it alone. I, I want to talk about um, the Amazon rainforest fires, which which is a pretty serious thing. I don't care what side of the climate change um, debate you are in or what camp you fall under. I think anybody that sees what is going on in Brazil um, has to be alarmed, man. They've had, I'm reading here, it's 72,000 fire outbreaks this year, which is an 84% increase um, on the same period in 2018. The fires, according to a lot of the locals, Um, are being set illegally to clear and prepare land for crops, cattle, and property speculation. Um, A lot of, of course, as always, indigenous communities are being um, just completely relocated, um, not willingly, obviously. Um, Pretty alarming stuff considering I think like the Amazon rainforest provides something like 20% of our oxygen or something along those lines. Uh, Any thoughts there, Nick? Um, if you're trying not to be a dick, that's not successful, uh, burning down the Amazon rainforest. So, um, yeah, a couple of thoughts I've had on this 
Um, some might not be that well received, but one I was thinking to myself, how many times in the past has this happened and news didn't travel at the speed of light and we just never knew about it in other places of um, biodiversity, wherever that may be. But I'm just wondering over human history, how many times we've burned down forests that weren't reported. Um, and so that's just my crazy brain thinking about it. But you know where my brain goes is to the whole climate change debate. And actually, this I'm going to bring up something that I wanted to talk about last week and didn't. And it's like for ever since I started in the markets, um, you know, 13 years ago, I, I, I first started as like a clean tech blogger, right, writing about solar and wind stocks. And I remember back then there would be these um, reports that would come out saying, and I'm just going to make these up. These aren't real. But things like whatever, <laughs> U- U.S. to be, you know carbon neutral in electricity production by 2020, um, U.S. to be off coal by 2025, uh, solar to supply 50% of our uh, electricity by 2030. Well, like, that's all fucking turned out to be bullshit. Like, none of that has happened. Like, clean energy produces a minuscule, a minuscule, a minuscule portion of our um, overall energy needs in this country. I remember reading about things in 2007 and eight, like, oh, solar roads are going to be here by 2015. <laughs> well, where the fuck are the solar roads? Like, where the fuck are they? Like, I haven't seen any fucking solar roads. Have you driven on any solar roads? I don't think I have not. Like, you, you remember it was like the sun is going to shine on the road and then it's going to take that sun. And also it's going to capture the kinetic energy from the cars going over it. And so it's going to be like a double energy milkshake that's going to save the world. Like none of this shit has come to pass. Like none of this shit has come to pass. And so, <laughs> none of it. And so here we are. 13 years later and the things I'm reading about now about the the best ways to solve climate change like do you know like what the best idea is right now to solve climate change quit having hamburgers and steaks that's one of them Um, but it's not even even better than than reducing the emissions is um, what I've been reading about for the past couple of weeks is that the science now shows that we should just be planting fucking trees like no shit we should be planting trees like that's not that hard it's like you know, try to pe- try to make people money and don't be a dick. Like planting trees is not like some complicated thing. It's like the trees clean the air and we have dirty air. We should probably plant some fucking trees. Like not and not try to like engineer solar roads that are ten times more expensive than the other electricity production sources we have. Like maybe just plant some fucking trees. And so anyway, they're saying if we plant like billions of trees, they can suck up enough uh, CO2 emissions to, to, to reduce the, the level of CO2 in the atmosphere. And so I think back again to 2007 and 2008 when we were going to attach carbon scrubbers to the top of the <laughs> coal plant. We were going we to we scrub all that shit out when it came out of the, the flu. And then we were going we to bury that fly ash so it never went into the atmosphere. And that was going to make everything all better. It's like, why do we have to make these trillion dollar monstrosity to try to solve a problem? Like, just put some seeds in the ground is turning out to be the right solution. And so I just get so fired up about that because I still see it. Like Bernie was out today. We're going to be carbon-free neutral. We're going to be carbon-free uh, electricity in the United States by 2050. It's like, no, we're fucking not, Bernie. Stop saying that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so it goes back to my original point that the Brazilian president, Haid Bolsonaro, is an absolute asshole for encouraging yeah. This. Don't burn down the Amazon Just, is what I'm saying. Like exactly. Need- That's what Nick was trying to say, everybody. It's not rocket science, people. Um, Just fucking leave the Amazon alone. It's 20% of our oxygen. Like, for all the trillion-dollar plans that we come up with, there's some very simple practical solutions out there. 
we can start with not burning down the rainforest. Maybe they're burning it down to make room for solar roads. <laughs> uh, ugly stuff. A big fuck you to the Brazilian president for being an absolute asshole on this issue. Um, at the very least, he's been consistent and um, not very apologetic about it. I think that there's going to have to be some international pressure uh, to get in about face, but you know, a lot of the damage is done, right? What I mean, <laughs> the stuff that's been burnt down has been burnt down. That, that, that is what it is. So it'll be interesting to see how that ends up ugly stuff out there. I hate to end the podcast on that note. Is there anything that you want to add, Nick? Do you have anything positive, enlightening, informative, actionable? Only on a personal level, I am going to bury myself in a bushel of steamed Maryland blue crabs tomorrow. Oh, uh, you show eat. off. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send me a picture? I'll do it. I like it. I'll live vicariously through you. Can we put the picture up um, on the podcast? Can we put a link up? I don't see why not. We can make it happen. I love it. Any companies that people should be paying attention to before we're out of the summer doldrums and people go back to their desk? Hmm. We've talked about Magna. So here's one. Um, it, it's a name that I, I, you're not even going to – you're going to be like, why the fuck are you talking about that? <laughs> um, I sent you a link to a company called Compass Gold earlier this week. You wanted something actionable. And then we talked about you know companies who were actually exploring versus you know giving fluff. Well, I came across this company, Compass Gold. It's in Africa, so it doesn't check the jurisdiction box, although I've made money in Africa before with companies like Ivanhoe and Rocks Gold and Taranga. So – um, I don't really mind Africa like some other people do. Um, but anyway, this company's got cash. They had three million bucks as of uh, their last filings, and uh, they spent some of that money this summer drilling. The rains are just now coming uh, to where they are in Mali, so they've stopped drilling for a bit, but they will be back drilling in like two or three months in October and should have news flow by the end. Um, had some pretty splashy grades when uh, uh, the original, the first drill results came out, and so... I don't know, an area I've had success with before. Um, I like the style and the, the, the way the press releases were were written, and, and they're putting money to work. It looks like they have a plan, and I don't know. It sounds like you'll have some concrete news later this year. So, I don't know, take a look at Compass Gold. That's what I've been doing. I haven't bought any shares, but, you know, I put it on the watch list. I like it. Um, I'll, I'll share a name, and I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I'm going to share it again because I recently added to the position Ethos Gold. Um, they had drills turning in Mexico. That was, I think, nearly two months ago. And because those were shallow holes looking for near-surface oxidized mineralization, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they did not hit in Mexico because we would know by now. Um, and that this is pure speculation on my part. However, I have heard whispers, and these are just that, you know, these things can go both ways, but I've heard whispers that um, Nevada, they have a, a, the, the right to earn into 50% of a project in Nevada. They drilled four deep holes. That program is being run by some very, very well-known um, geologists that have been very successful in the past. 
Um, long story short, there's whispers that they may have hit something of significance in Nevada. Assays are not in yet, so of course this is all speculation. But if you're looking for something to gamble on, it's high risk, it's high reward. Ethos Gold on drilling in Nevada. Good stuff. I'm an Ethos shareholder, and I look forward to those results. I do as well. Fingers crossed on that front. That's it. That's all I got, everybody. Have a great week. Don't be assholes to each other. Be nice. This is Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This has been episode 33 of Bizarro World. Take care of each other, everybody. Have a good week. See ya.